This is the NFL Play Football Podcast, and I'm Jeff Fisher of High School Football America. NFL Play Football is the NFL's initiative to provide fun and engaging experience with players of all ages and skill levels. Learn more at playfootball.nfl.com. Well, in the history of high school football, there have only been two coaches to win 600 or more games. The late great John McKissick from South Carolina leads the list at 621 victories, and right behind him, having won his 600th game this past Friday, is J.T. Curtis of John Curtis High School in Louisiana. And Coach Curtis is on the NFL Play Football Podcast Hotline to talk about last Friday and his long career in the coaching profession. Thanks for joining us, Coach. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. And Coach, you know, uh, you, you've been asked a lot of times how it feels, uh, how will it feel, how would it feel leading up to it and all that. My question is, you're at the school started by your dad, and uh, you win 600 football games. And I just wanted to know if winning it at dad's school makes it a little bit sweeter for you. Uh, well, I don't. there's no doubt about that, because uh, my father and my mother put their whole life into this. Uh, uh, the last... Uh, 30, 40 years of their life was just completely committed to the school and the growth of the school. Uh, my dad got introduced into education kind of by accident, honestly. Uh, he was working as a pioneer mission work in the 50s in Illinois, advancing the Southern Baptist uh, work that had been uh, gone that way, and uh, had an opportunity to teach in a, a school at a small town in Illinois called Wynette, Illinois, and Got introduced to education and absolutely fell in love with the opportunity to help young people, not only academically, but with their lives, with their moral and spiritual and, and ethical development. Even in a public school at that time, it was uh, not an issue, and, and it's a shame that it is today, but uh, it wasn't an issue at that point. So when when he decided to go into the private school business, if if you would, he, he wanted to have it an emphasis on uh, Christianity, not denominationalism. And he wanted to emphasize relationship to God, uh, moral and spiritual and ethical values that he thought would be the life-shaping uh, events in the, in the lives of young people, as well as their academic performance. And and so to uh, when he started the school in 62, he, he coached uh, for th- three or four of those years. And then I took it over in 1969 and uh, we were in a, a middle of a little bit of a struggle as a school. Uh, we went to zero and ten, uh, didn't win a game, uh, scored two touchdowns, uh, and, and I thought maybe maybe insurance would be the way to go because I was married and had a child on the way, and it was pretty hectic. But but we stayed the course, and uh, young guys responded to the off season program, and I was so fortunate that I played for an excellent college coach at the University of Arkansas, and I learned so much of, uh, at that university of, of how to prepare a team and off-season work, and so we implemented that and uh, had a great season in 1970 and uh, won our first state championship in 75 and have just continued to move forward since then. J.T. Curtis on the line, won his 600th game uh, last Friday. Uh, Coach, you, uh, I talked to you about 10 years ago, and, and you, you brought up that 0-10. I'm not going to have you re-answer that question, but I'm going to ask you this question, which is what was the big difference from 0-10 to the next season? How did you change as a coach? 
if at all. You know, I, I well, I, yeah, I did. Uh, you know, and I think I think in this business you do one of two things: you either grow or you go backwards. Uh, uh, you either continue to try to learn day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year, or or you get stale. And and one of the things that I knew uh, even then was that we needed to be into a, a an off season program, and we needed we needed to make sure that the players that were playing wanted to play football. They wanted to be a part of this team. It was not just something they did, but it was something that they made a commitment to. Mm-hmm. So we started our off-season weight program, uh, our off-season running program. And to be honest with you, at that point in time, as a kind of side note, um, uh, we didn't have a lot of weights. Uh, you know, that was kind of a new thing in the uh, in the uh, uh, late 60s. People really wasn't into weights, uh, muscle-bound, and uh, you're going to not be able to run fast and so forth and so on. And and so when I got into the program, we didn't have very many weights. I said, you know what, i got to find a way uh, <laughs> to add weight to these bars. And so I went to the junkyard and I got some some flywheels. Uh, you know, you've seen those wheels <laughs> yep. that have the ridges all around them. And I weighed them on my scale at home, and uh, they were 37 and a half pounds or uh, 25 and a half pounds. And that's what we used. And, and the kids really bought into the lifting and, and into the program. And, and I think what it taught me was, is that young people really want three things. And I get this question all the time, man, how are kids different? You know, mm-hmm. how are kids? I really don't think they are different. I really think they want it. They want to know that you care about them. They want to know that you love them and, and they want to know that you're willing to discipline them and they want to know that you're willing to commit to them, to work with them. And and I think those three things I learned in that year because those guys really bought in. And, again, in 1970, we made our first playoff appearance. We got we got beat in the first round uh, by a good team, but, but we were there, and, and it kind of set the tone uh, for the future. Yeah, no doubt about that. Coach Curtis on the line, JT Curtis, John Curtis High School in Louisiana. Hey, Coach, um, you said Dad started as a coach, so obviously you you got a chance to see his style a little bit. Um, in in hindsight, now some fifty years later, do you ever look back and go, "Oh, I, I think I picked that up from Dad," or "I'm like Dad this way," or "I'm a little different from Dad in that way"? Is there is there a little compare and contrast you can do for us? Yeah, I, yes, I I think that's accurate. I, you know, you you learn from your mentors, and he was a guy that was uh, uh, passionately involved with whatever he did. Uh, if he was going to do it, he was going to work at it, and he was going to diligently work at it. And and at that time in his life, I mean, he was wearing a bunch of hats. Now, I mean, mm-hmm. he was doing a lot of things, and and he never shortchanged it on the football field. And I think that's one of the things that I learned that. Uh, when when you make a commitment to something, you make it to do the very best you can and and to give it your very best effort. And and he was certainly a guy that did that. And and when it came time to the a point when he realized he could not do that any longer uh, because of his other responsibilities, uh, he was he was willing to step aside. And and that's that's how I got involved right out of right out of college. Just. Mm-hmm. Uh, as naive as I could be, but thinking I could conquer the world, and uh, as uh, as you know, and as I have said, we we didn't conquer it that first year <laughs> for sure. But but I learned I learned so much from him in terms of working with young people and making a commitment. A quick 
quick story. The first day of practice, I came, and uh, there were six guys showed up. And I had 39 notebooks all laid out and labeled John Curtis Christian football and all of that business. So we went out and we ran a little bit, and then I let them go home, and I said, guys, come back this afternoon for two-a-days. We were doing two-a-day practice, and I walked to my dad's office, and I said, Dad, I only had, I only had six guys show up. And he had his head down at the desk, and he was doing some work he was doing, and he kind of looked up at me, and he said, you better get on the phone and start calling, huh? <laughs> and I realized right then what he was saying. This is yours. Mm-hmm. Don't, if you need me, okay, but you, you better go to work. This is not going to be easy. And, and again, threw myself into it because that's the way I saw him do things, and and we ended up having uh, about uh, 27 guys on a team that year that I uh, would pull out of the halls or, or made a call to see if they'd come play football. But but from that point, we continued to build. And I realized, you know what, this is your responsibility, and and you need to be you need to be on top of the things that are going to be involved in your program and make sure that you're getting things done the way they need to be done. And and we've tried to do that and to improve on it from year to year. The buck stopped with you, Coach J.T. Curtis, on the line with us on High School Football America and NFL Play Football. Hey, hey, Coach, um, can you take us back to when the goose egg stayed in the the win column and and the the, the losses were totaling up there toward 10? You you remember any conversations with Dad about that? You remember the one about not enough kids? Uh, any, Any good advice, sage advice during that tough first year? Well, you know, I, I I think the big thing he he thought that I was trying to do too much, mm-hmm. and he was right. He was right. He he said you need to pare down on what you're doing, and you need to get better at it. You're trying to you're trying to do too much offensively. You're you're trying to ask these kids to do things that maybe they're not really capable of doing right now. You need to get good at something. And and I really kind of bought into that. I really bought into realizing that it's not what I know. It's what I can teach and what they can perform. Mm-hmm. And that was a, a great lesson, a valuable lesson at that point in time. And, and look, I'm not going to sit there and tell you that it was something that hit me overnight. It was a growing process. You, you grow in, as I said, I think you either get a little better or you get a little worse or you get a little stale. And, and I think you've got to continually be in this growing process and understanding uh, your players and what they're capable of doing and making sure that you never, ever leave the fundamentals of the game. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the things that he always emphasized. And his terminology, it's all about blocking and tackling, son. It's all about blocking and tackling. And, and he's right. It's, it's about blocking and tackling. When you lose a game, if you go back and look at it, it's because you probably didn't block real well. Or you probably miss tackles, and uh, the fundamentals never change. And so that was a that was a valuable experience that I uh, learned, and hopefully have continued to use and grow uh, as uh, the years have gone by. Sure, it's a simple game when it comes right down to it. Hey, coach, you also have the pleasure of working and coaching with your sons. So I was just curious, same sort of relationship you had with dad in in that occasion, or or has it changed a little bit? Did you learn something saying, I want to do it this way versus what dad did? Tell me a little bit about working with the kids. Well, you know, Again, I mentioned to you that uh, I think earlier in our conversation, my brothers, uh, I have a brother and I have three sisters that are all involved in the school, and my two sons are. Uh, 
Uh, I have nephews and some nieces that are. But interestingly, none of us were ever influenced by our parent to go into education. Hmm. None of us. And, and it was because my dad and my mom both felt that it was a calling, that if you're really going to be a teacher, if you're really going to do this job the way it should be done, you need to have a direction and a calling to, to be the kind of teacher and the kind of influence in young people's lives that you can be. And it, again, interestingly, I did the same thing with my two sons. Both of my boys were uh, excellent uh, high school players. Uh, both of them played Division One college football. Uh, both of them were opportunities to be under excellent coaches. And so when they came uh, and, and, and joined the staff and was, became part of it, we opened ourselves up to new thinking, new ideas, but never left the fundamental processes. I remember my uh, oldest son, Johnny, came in from uh, uh, college, and he was putting in the uh, pro spread punt formation that they used in college. And we had never used that. We had always been a little more traditional front in the, in the punt. And, and one of the coaches that had been with me for a period of time said, well, we'll try it, but you're going to have to prove it. You have to prove it's better than what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And, and did, and did. And, and, and our coverage was better, and our protection was as good. And so I think that we always have been open to new ideas and new thinking, but we always have maintained that we're not going to change for change's sake. We're going to change because it is better. It's better than what we're doing. And the only way you can do that is to uh, evaluate and look at new things and new ideas. And both of the boys, uh, uh, Jeff was a quarterback at Tulane and uh, played for Tommy Bodden and was on the uh, undefeated Tulane team that uh, uh, made history at Tulane and had a great uh, insight and knowledge into uh, into the offensive part of the game. Uh, played for Rich Rodriguez and his innovative offense at that point, and we were able to use the, some of the things that they did at Tulane implemented into our into our passing game. We didn't change in terms of changing all that we did. We just added to and tried to improve. And 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 my sons and my uh, uh, nephews that have all had a chance to play at the collegiate level have always made those kind of contributions. Coach J.T. Curtis on the line here talking about his 600th career win. Actually, we're kind of building around that. You've probably been asked all the questions ad infinitum about that 600th win, so we're trying to keep it a little bit different from that. And and I was never going to ask you the question about how the kids have changed because I agree with you. There's, you know, there's nuance to it, but it's kind of the same. What about the coaches out there, the coaching profession? You talked a little bit about weights and all that. Where are the biggest changes you see in the profession of coaching? You know, I'm I'm sad to say this. I think some of the guys are getting into coaching without a commitment to being a real coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and I really am sad to say that. I, you know, because you have a clipboard and a whistle around your neck, it doesn't mean you're a coach. I mean, I, I know guys that, that, unfortunately, in other places I've heard, uh, don't want to work on the weekends. Uh, don't want to scout on the weekends and uh, don't want to spend the extra time that is necessary uh, to be successful. And and how I look at that is is that you're not hurting yourself. You're cheating the, the, the players. You're cheating the kids. They deserve every opportunity, in my opinion, to be successful. And, and if you're going to coach, then 
you need to make a commitment and have an understanding that it is time-consuming. You you don't get paid by the hour in coaching. If you did, it would be in nickels and dimes. And <laughs> and you you do it because you love what you're doing, and you you get pleasure and you get enjoyment and and I believe you get a fulfillment uh, internally, intrinsically, in terms of. Uh, watching young people progress, watching them grow in the sport, watching them uh, become better young men and become better players and, and to learn what it means to be committed because they see you committed mm-hmm. and they see you as the example that they need to follow. Those intrinsic values, I think, are why we play ball. I, I, I don't say this very often because sometimes people misunderstand it, but if the only thing we gain at the end of the day is a score, you know, somebody won, somebody lost on a scoreboard. In my opinion, it's not worth the energy, the effort, the time, the money that has to go into athletics. There has to be, in my opinion, intrinsic value of the things that we've just talked about. Uh, commitment, hard work, dedication, teamwork, uh, uh, self-sacrifice. Uh, those things that that are going to make these young men successful community leaders, successful dads, uh, successful business people. That's the intrinsic values that that sport should bring to to each and every individual person. And and I think that's so important. And and when I see coaches that that really are not willing to do that, they really looking for the supplement rather than the reward of the intrinsic value, it, it really kind of bothers me. But but there's still a lot of good guys that yep. are doing it the right way, and and I, I want to emphasize that. But I think some of the uh, younger people, maybe over the course of the last 15 or 20 years, have, have maybe got into coaching for the wrong reason. Uh, they look for the, 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 uh, the reward rather than uh, the financial reward rather than the uh, values that we just talked about. No, I agree. I've been around this sport for 45 years. Well, actually a little bit longer as a player, I guess. But, you know, I, I agree 100% with you. And there's a lot of people in your corner agreeing with that too. Coach JT, uh, Curtis on the line here. A couple more, Coach. Thank you for the time. Um, this one, you know, has to do with an interview I did with you and Coach McKissick, John McKissick, the guy you're chasing for the all-time leader. He had 621 wins. And I'm just curious, when you get your name, you know, mentioned in there with the late, great John McKissick, I'm just wondering what that means to you. I know that day when we spoke 10 years ago, you had many kind things to say. But now, 10 years later, what does it mean to be mentioned in the same breath with Coach McKissick? Well, it hasn't changed in my evaluation of Coach McKissick. What he done was just was was unbelievable. And and again, what a community leader he was. What a guy that made an, an impact uh, in the community that that he served and the young people he served. And and to be in that number is certainly an honor. Uh, and I'm sure uh, uh, Coach McKissick felt the same way I do that there's so many people that deserve the same recognition and this and and have made such an impact with on the players the the assistant coaches the trainers people that have that have really helped make this possible and uh you know i i it's humbling uh to be in that number and and it's humbling to recognize how many people have sacrificed so that you could be in that position and uh, to be mentioned with uh, a guy like John McKissick is uh, not only humbling but an honor 
uh, to be in that number. I've done 45 years worth of interviews. That's still my favorite one. Coach, to wrap up with, I won't do the obvious question that I'm sure you get way too many times in people. I'm not even going to say it. You can guess at what the question he gets a lot of times after all these years. But my, my question would be this. It's you've got 600 wins. You've got 72 losses, uh, 62 of them coming after the 0-10. Most coaches that win a lot of games, you know, eh, they're wins, right? But most of them stick, you know, those losses in their crawl, right? They stay there for a while. Any of those 72 stick in that crawl of yours? (laughs) Well, there's no question about that. Uh, And and you know why? Because we've learned so much more uh, from our losses if, if, if we're really serious about our business. Um, one of the things that I try to do, I, I try to take a couple of games a year uh, that we have won, especially if we got a really good team and, and, and we're playing really well. I, I try to go back and look at that film and look at it as though we had lost the game hmm. uh, because it gives you a different perspective. Things, uh, Little things become big things and losses that sometimes when you win, you have a tendency to gloss over. You might mention them, but you really don't. You really don't emphasize them the way you should. And I think the losses that we've had uh, have been motivators for us to be better coaches in terms of improving or finding a way to improve it. And I think that's a, one of the keys to coaching is is that you've got to identify problems. You've got to identify what is the 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 difficulty that we're going through what is the problem that we're having and then find a solution for it find a drill or a technique or an idea that'll help solve that problem and when you when you have losses that are really devastating uh to you whether it be a in season or whether it be in a playoff or a championship i think you grow from those uh the other thing i've learned to do through the years is to uh Sometimes you just got to tip your hat to the other guy. You know, <laughs> yep. so, sometimes he's just he's got a better team than you got. And the thing that I've evaluated at that point is was our effort and our energy and our commitment what it needed to be. And if it is, then we're gonna we're gonna evaluate that and we're gonna tip our hat. We're gonna move on to the next opportunity. And and that's the way I feel about six hundred. You know. Um, uh, the next and most important game of the season is this Friday night against a Jesuit High School, who has an excellent team. And uh, you know, we, we you got to move on past uh, uh, great victories, and you got to move on past devastating defeats, and learn from both if it's at all possible. Coach, thank you so much for taking the time. I know this has been a busy week for you. Uh, you, you. You found some time, and I just really, really appreciate that. But more importantly, I just want to you know, congratulate you, uh, not so much on the 600th win, but the what you've done for the student-athletes, uh, your, your fellow coaches there, the, the school, and therefore the community. Uh, hell of a job, Coach, and congratulations, and thank you for taking the time to join me. Jeff, thank you very much. I appreciate it, and, and I wish you the best. And Uh, We're going to keep moving forward. Thank you for the opportunity. And that's the NFL Play Football Podcast, the NFL's initiative to provide fun and engaging experience for players of all ages and skill levels. Hey, coaches, don't forget to check out playfootball.nfl.com for some great coaching resources to help you improve in the profession. I'm Jeff Fisher of High School Football America, and you've been listening to the NFL Play Football Podcast.